and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game, and all things Bears. It was a titanic battle at King's Home as the Bears narrowly lost to Gloucester by 31 points to 28. Here are our thoughts on the day, the performance, and the individuals who stood out for us. We'll also discuss the hastily arranged 18 uh, trip to Exeter, plus the Women's Cup game against Loughborough. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, Lee, we're back at your place. Yeah. Um, safe and sound after our little day trip to uh, to Gloucester. We, it was uh, quite a day, wouldn't it? We had a good day out. We should say, shouldn't we, that um, a big shout out to Big Andy uh, Hill and um, met his boy Jasper after the game. And they, they treated us to some Gloucester... Um, uh, what, what would you call it? Gloucester... Hospitality? I don't know what it was called at the end. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was a good day out in the shed, wasn't it, Tony? Was my uh, my friend Dicky Ball was there as well, and of course yeah. Mr. Cleaver. Mr. Cleaver was yeah. was was there to uh, conduct the uh, the merry band, the merry band as it was. <laughs> but uh, very good day. Maybe we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later when we talk about the game. Miles, uh, how are you, sir? Fine, fine, thanks. A very quiet weekend, unlike you boys. Um, yeah, it's sort of family orientated weekend of taking kids to sport, kids to sport. And more kids to sport. And uh, so it's nice to be with the lads again on a Sunday evening. That was because you got left on your own, wasn't it? Uh, you and my wife went to Munich. Because you messed up to weekend, Munich, which yeah. is why you couldn't go to Gloucester. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Pete, you look a little bit uh, little bit flustered. Um, you, you cut it a bit tight to get here. Mm, yeah. Been another one, uh, one of the swinging weekends with the boys? Yeah, well, it certainly <laughs> was. Yeah. Unlike Miles, I had a decent excuse. I had a pre-planned golf weekend up in Grantham. Just got back in time. Uh, got absolutely soaked coming over to Lee's house. It's absolutely pummeling down in Bristol. And then when I got here, I was the first one here, despite only just coming back, realised I'd left the recorder <laughs> from last oh, week at home. Yeah. So I had to go all the way back on a voice scooter. For those people who are listening who aren't from Bristol, a voice scooter is one of those the higher scooters that Bristol have got. So, yeah, I'm a bit flustered, boys, but I'm here. Yes. That's that's the main thing, yeah. We're all looking a little bit soggy. The umbrellas are lined up exactly. outside Lee's door. Okay, Saturday, 15th of October then. It was the Premiership Cup, um, Premiership League game, uh, the Rifles Cup, uh, and it ended Gloucester 31 points, Bristol 28 before we talk about the game, uh, Pete, maybe I'll come to you to talk mm. about your thoughts when you saw the team sheet that uh, came out on Friday. Yeah, it was a, it was maybe a little bit surprising of some selections, um, but looked very strong. I mean, the, the surprising ones, or or not the surprising ones, but the um, pleasantly surprising one was Fitzharding back in at number eight. Um, I don't think we. I don't quite know whether we'd clocked that Bradbury had got an injury or not, but it was really good to see Harding back because we had been speculating, boys, hadn't we, that mm-hmm. we weren't sure what was happening to Harding. So with a brand new haircut, um, looking pretty pretty solid, he came in and, and it was also good to see Banter with Bats straight in. Yeah. Um, and I think we discussed that maybe we needed a little bit more oomph at second row. Um, and of course, the pack, you know, when you look at Genge, Capon, Sinclair, Batley, Joyce, Vui, and then Dan Thomas in as well. To me, that looked like a, a quality pack. Um, so I was very excited there. And then the other, I suppose the other big surprise was um, uh, Charles Piertown was playing on a plastic pitch. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I'm joking. Now, the other big surprise was perhaps um, Tom Whiteley getting the nod over Andy Uren, uh, who was only on the bench. And that was you know interesting because Whiteley probably you'd say was third choice scrum off but obviously had done something um to to get Pat's attention and then I guess the O'Connor you know Bedlow O'Connor looks like it's our pretty standard centre party now so that was good mm. to see and uh, great to see the Wizard of Moles back again um so yeah I, I've got to say when I saw that I thought that looks like a nice nicely balanced side a bit of grunt up top and uh, some silky flyers in the backs mm-hmm yeah, so uh, we travelled to King's Home. King's Home always reminds me, I'm sure it should be uh, somewhere in Game of Thrones, really. It just <laughs> sounds Home. like it should be, shouldn't it? Uh, we we travelled up. Um, I, th- I think it's fair to say, Lee, we talked to quite a few supporters. I think everyone was optimistic for a better performance. Not too many people were realistically thinking we were going to come away with uh, the win. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And I think... Actually, we both thought the same thing ourselves, didn't we? Um, 
I did, you know, as Pete just said there, looking at the Bristol team, I did look at the Gloucester team for exact same thing. I mean, that was a pretty strong squad that they had. Um, and I guess like after the last couple of games, what we did want was a better performance and we certainly got that, didn't we? Mm. We certainly did. And uh, Miles, uh, about 10 minutes into the game um, and lo and behold, that uh, Gloucester Mall that's been so effective over the last season or two uh, did the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on the tail of that, didn't it, Geordie Reid scored, who was, we'll probably come on to talk about this, but sort of Bristol's thorn in the side for the whole game, I'd say. Yeah, they, I mean, it looked pretty even, Stevens for the ter- first 10 minutes. But then, as you said, a, a great driving mall, and Geordie Reid went over and uh, converted by Hastings, wasn't it, to make it 7 0. But um, yeah, I thought it was pretty even, Stevens up to that point. I should just say to listeners, Pete, because he has been away with his golfing buddies, hasn't had a chance to see the game. So if people might be disappointed that for this part of the show, we might not hear from him <laughs> quite as much well, I, as I, we normally do. I mean, having said that, I, I did watch the highlights, the the, the um, not the full highlights, the, the edited highlights. Yeah. And mm. I did have a bit of a debrief for my 13-year-old daughter when I got back who watched it on uh, watched it live on BT Sport and, and a bit of input from my missus as well. And I've got to say, I was quite as pleasantly surprised how insightful they were. I don't know. <laughs> it's because you've so, been ramming it so in your throat all this time. Of, I have got a couple of thoughts, but maybe more general ones. Did they make the any end. notes for you, mate? Hand over some paper notes? No, or? no, they don't do that. Oh, it's all well, there. Okay. We should also say at this point, me and Tony didn't get to see much of the game because we were in the shed. The sun was busting <laughs> into our eyeballs. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. And, and I actually, I spent most of that, that game looking up at the screen rather than looking at the pitch because it was easier to see. Yeah, yeah, we were on the the, the almost side, by almost by the the front of the shed. Um, and we had a big pillar also in between us and one of the screens. It maybe wasn't the greatest viewing experience uh, that I've had at rugby, but certainly made up for it with the atmosphere uh, in the shed. It uh, it really is, is so good to to be in there. Uh, then twenty four minutes, Lee, um, we managed to pull it back to seven seven. Yeah, and it was um, it was our boy Bedlow, wasn't it? And mm. I thought he showed brilliant strength as well to get to the try line. And I, again, because I was squinting to look, I, I was a little bit worried that he might have dropped it initially. But um, obviously, you know, when we'd seen it back, um, it was a great try. And I was really pleased for Bedlow to get on the on the score sheet because, you know, he's he, he's been solid, hasn't he? To use the Miles phrase, but. Um, it's good to see him get on a on the score sheet and you know get a try because I thought well deserved. Absolutely, I think I think uh, we've got to give praise for both Sinclair and Genge yeah. who in the oh, lead yeah. up to that try really put in a, a couple of big runs, uh, taking taking many defenders with them uh, each time to to really free up that space. But yeah, tremendous finish by Bedlow. Um, maybe Miles come to you next seven uh, seven. After a bit, of, I thought a bit of a shaky first quarter. It looked like we were starting to come into the game, uh, and then Val Rapara Ruskin goes and scores uh, for Gloucester. Your thoughts on that try? Um, I can't remember that one to be honest with you. Is that, was, is that the one he jumped was, over the top? Yeah. Jumped over uh, the top. Oh, well, he scored. Um, he scored a couple five, in the end, didn't he? I, I think from memory we got. In a bit of trouble, and Whiteley tried to hoof it oh, out. Oh, yeah, sorry. Dry line. And yeah. Harris got it, didn't he? He didn't yeah. make touch. Harris got it. Uh, it was ruck, lethal. The ruck was formed, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And a bit of a cardinal sin, really. He just managed to dive over the ruck. Yeah. And he did. To score. Yeah. So, so basically, we're saying a shambles. Mm-hmm. shambles. Well, it was a shambolic clearance it was by a shambolic Whiteley, movement. who didn't yeah. hit the touch. Yeah, that's uh, led to a lot of pressure from Gloucester. You're right. And then, you know, they put part of the pressure on the line and like Tony said <laughs> dived over the top but we never let our edge drop did we that was the thing yeah, no 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 we had a few beers didn't we with us and we, we did. had a bit of oh you mean the players yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right hey. yeah well I think it was interesting I got my notes here that Whiteley was replaced shortly after yeah uh, that uh, that that event um, and then Pete if I come to you um 35 minutes, we we were back level again. Uh, a rather silky try mm. by Piers O'Connor. Yeah, and I did see that, and I watched that a couple of times, actually. It looked, looked quality, absolute quality. Nice flat pass. Just shows what happens. Nice flat pass. Take the ball at pace. You only need half a yard. 
and uh, he hit that line, broke the line, and then he did a beautiful little uh, little shimmy, and, and it was fantastic. Little a little swivel hip. I thought I was. I thought I tuned into Strictly Come Dancing the way that he uh, he swivelled round their fullback, whoever it was coming and, over. And me and me, yeah. And, um, yeah, fair play to to O'Connor because uh, you know from time to time he's ever dependent. A lot of other times he's not. But but it's not. It's good to because that's what we remember from two years ago from O'Connor, yeah. wasn't it? All mm. these these line breaks and mm. you know he has got pace. And if we can get him into good positions, then he is. A weapon for us, and so, again, mm. we should credit Genji as well because it was a, a great yeah. charge for the midfield. It was, it was. It was yeah. actually, if I remember rightly, now it's all coming back to me. It was a line out, wasn't it? But it was a quick line, and then we rather than set them all up, we did a quick one. Genji was on the loop, that's right. And he went, it was, it was like schoolboy rugby because he kind of went round one of their defenders who then missed him and then and then straightened up and then took it in. And then it yeah. was a quick ruck, wasn't it? So, yeah, it was a it was a that was that's the kind of the Bears sort of try we like to see. It? It, it was. It was Bears' filth, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, quite, quite utter, right. utter. And then, uh, well, Lee, we were there in the stadium. What was it? Uh, about three minutes to go, thinking, going in, half time, all level. <laughs> and so what did I do? I went and you get, got beer, get the beers. <laughs> so I thought, I'll, I'll beat the crowd. And then I went in. And to be fair, I didn't hear much of a, a shout. And then um, I came back and then Tony had told me that it was 21... Uh, 14 down yeah right on half time wasn't it and I did see it a little bit on the on the screen and it was Ackerman wasn't it who made the the break I think for Gloucester I think so, yeah. and to be fair he did play really well he, he made some mm. big hits um, and then it was was it yeah Jordy um, Clark that scored wasn't it Freddie Clark Freddie Clark mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think I can't remember completely um but was it a, a game that's been a bit of a problem for us this season? A, a restart that we yeah. we weren't very clear. Bit of a problem. I mean, did you did you clock that that was our problem for the whole match? I think we were either um, kicking restarts, we were too long and high, and then catching restarts. I think we fumbled at least two, didn't we? Yeah, which, which led to uh, um, just pressure from Gloucester. So yeah, that's a. Something definitely and then there was a lot of turnovers on. as well, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. It was like we couldn't believe how that just kept, kept happening. It was like, what the, what the hell's going on here? So half-time, 21-14 miles. Were you, uh, well, I mean, you know, watching watching the game on the yeah. TV, were you thinking, actually, we're, you know, in here? Or do you think that was going to be a bit of a turning point, that uh, that Gloucester try? No, I know up? we uh, we obviously nearly scored, but um, and, and obviously lost, <laughs> lost the try in 13 minutes. But actually, I think we were um, pretty sort of toe-to-toe with, with Gloucester at half-time. And I think at that point... Um, if Pat had a good team talk and the boys came out with a bit of fire in their belly we could probably get it back to all square um, so no I think at that point I didn't feel as if it would be another Exeter sort of scoreline I think we were playing pretty well and to, to stay with you then just shortly after the half time um, a, what's becoming a trademark Ellis Lynch <laughs> try yeah I mean, absolutely. He powered through, what, like, I'm going to say 10 players, but it's more like five, to be honest with you. I mean, this is your trademark, the way he's scoring, isn't it? Um, flipped through the pass, I think, a mall or something, and um, powered through. You thought he's not going to make it, but he's got such strength, that lad. Um, stretched for the line and under the sticks. I mean, you know, and the cheer he gave off. He was just fully pumped up, wasn't he? If you missed that first tackle, Gen just came over, isn't it? That close yeah, to the yeah, try line. A bit of momentum. He's so hard to stop. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we love about him playing for England down Bristol. So 21 all, and I think the momentum was swinging our way. And uh, Pete, uh, Pete, I know you didn't see the game, but I'm sure you've seen the incident. Uh, Charles Piatow broke through their mm. midfield. Mm. Flip the ball. I think we had three players almost free. Dan yeah. Thomas yeah. just preparing uh, his his scoring manoeuvre, and I saw it. Yeah, Lewis Rees-Amet came from from the blind side or from nowhere. A couple of things with that. Uh, it's always a gutter, isn't it? When uh, we have talked about this a lot, we do. It, it does feel. It does seem like over the last season and a half, we've done a lot of this, not quite finishing off tries, but. We did score pretty much straight away afterwards, didn't we? I think yeah. from the yeah. resulting mm. scrum and then Andy Wren scored, didn't he? So mm. it wasn't kind of too bad. But I, one thing it just won me is you are allowed because you are allowed to do that because I mean basically, Larice Samet essentially pushed it into dead ball, yeah. Yeah. pushed it into touch. So yeah. it was yeah. like it was like you know if they do it 
when you're kind of the balls on the floor and they're in their you know in their half and flick it into touch that's a penalty isn't it it's uh, so it's a kind of a funny one because it wasn't really a tackle was it it was no. a it was a punch the ball and, well, I, and obviously it is legal but, but it just seems a bit of a grey area to me Barnsley did have a look at it didn't they yeah. it's a big what screen was it well I think I think just that was was it made in was was there an attempt to tackle no no. Um, didn't look like it from me I mean I didn't hear the commentary I didn't know what he was no. asking but certainly in the shed people were saying yeah. oh don't don't know if that's that's legal no, I mean and, uh, and that was a Gloucester support I mean to, yeah, yeah. based on just my watch on the thing it just looked like it, there was no attempt to tackle because he was coming he couldn't get to him he just put he just put he punched the ball out of his yeah. arm that was it and um, the annoying thing is obviously Dan Thomas has got Sheedy I think was on his right hand side yeah. as well well he shouldn't but, have needed it I mean, I mean, he shouldn't have needed saying, it I mean maybe on a grass pitch he might have just died for the line yeah. a few seconds earlier, yeah. uh, but knowing that was a plastic pitch, I don't think we can blame ascribe no, any blame. No, 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 no. You know, he was he was doing exactly what any good open side flanker should be. He was in he was supporting the break, yeah. and, uh, and so yeah, it was just unfortunate. But as I said, I think ultimately it wasn't too bad because we did score straight away. No, I, I, I did feel sorry for Dan Thomas because I, I, I don't... I mean, Zamet came kind of diagonally and mm. then from behind. Mm. I don't think he would have been aware. No. I don't think he would have got the call. He was just about to cross the line. Yeah. It was actually um, annoying because actually Charles Pieter had given the pass and was could have... You know, Zamet, in a way, if Charles Pieter had been slightly maybe aware of Zamet, could have like slightly blocked him a little bit mm. as well. But you know, I think he's such a far, he's so fast, mm. isn't he? But it was you know a lot of things came together that was a bit unfortunate. Well, and also we should mention that was after, wasn't it? Um, Andy Uren had got taken Just into touch dry. by, by oh, Johnny yeah. May. Yeah. So at that point, I thought we were really yeah. on the ascendancy, and I thought it, we'd scored maybe two out of those three. I, I genuinely, I think we'd have won the game. No, no, I, I, I agree. And I mean, well, while they were looking at that um, uh, incident with Dan Thomas and Rhys Samet, I remember someone in the shed behind us, I think might have been from the forest. So, <laughs> oh, Barnsley, remember you're from the forest. <laughs> that was about the only thing I could make out of that person for the whole whole 80 minutes. Yeah. But um, There were some characters in the shed, mate, wasn't there? There, there certainly were. Um, but yes, as, uh, as as you said, Pete, it didn't wasn't too costly for too long because from the resulting scrum, uh, Lee Andy Ewan uh, went across touchdown. Now he made hell of a difference oh, he, when he oh, came. Oh, huge! Absolutely, it was like a, a totally different game, wasn't it? Um, and I, and I don't know about you guys, but personally, I was I was slightly surprised that he didn't start the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he came on and he he did. He did pretty much everything he needed to do, didn't he? To get us back into it. So, um, yeah, I, um, what was that, 20? Oh, that's the first time he went up in the game, actually, wasn't yeah, it? it? was 28, 21. 21, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it really was a ding-dong game. And, uh, Miles, they scored on 60 minutes. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin uh, again, <laughs> again. Uh, to make it 28 all. Um uh, and then it was kind of end-to-end stuff. We get to three or four minutes towards, you know, the final whistle, and then the penalty is given away by Purdy. You've seen that. We had a quick look again on the TV here before we started the show uh, tonight, Sunday night. Any blame to Purdy? Um, well, it was blatant, wasn't it? We was just looking at back it on the replay where he, in effect, tried to rip the ball off the floor out of a Gloucester player, I think, didn't he? And um, no release of the tackle. I, 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 I think as well, then, knee was down. he said tackle. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and he, he, and he kept going. Um, and, you know, actually, let's give credit to um, Wayne Barnes. He had an absolutely phenomenal game. I mean, there were no yellow cards at all, were there? They were actually quite few penalties from, from memory and I thought he adjusted the game brilliantly so fair play he was warned um, but the resulting penalty you know right in front of the sticks wasn't it albeit 50, 40 metres out Adam Hastings and Sheedy weren't missing a thing on the day tapped another three points over um, and it was 31-28 to Gloucester wasn't it with, with four minutes to play at that point I've got to say boys at that point I'm, I'm looking at our WhatsApp group because at, at 4.45 I was on the 16th fairway at Breeden Wood and I, I just got onto BBC Sport website and I've said to you boys it's just checking Twitter 
It's twenty eight twenty eight. It was, and, yeah. and I like I don't know. I then had to play my second shot, wondering <laughs> what would happen. And I played the. I, it's so annoying. I played that hole, gone to the next tee, turned on BBC Sport, and saw the thirty one twenty eight. So I felt for you boys. I yeah, felt for everyone because mm-hmm. you know it was uh, that's a gutter, isn't it? And an interesting point. I mean, in the end, we lost by three, but uh, Lee Whiteley took that. That quick tap penalty when we were in front of the sticks in the first half. Maybe if we'd taken the three points there, it uh, could have been a, a slightly different outcome. Yeah, I mean, we did say recently we seem to have, um, you know, not wanted to take any of our kicks again, haven't we? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it was one of those games, wasn't it? I just think it was a, for a neutral, looking at that, it was a brilliant advert for rugby. Oh, it's superb. I mean, you know, even the Gloucester fans were saying a draw would have been a fair result. Mm. But, you know, it it was one of those, it just went against us on the day. But, you know, the performance, I was really, I know we made mistakes, turnovers in this and that, but that was a great performance. And I was really pleased and proud of the boys, actually, on Saturday. Yeah, and I think, uh, we've probably talked about this on on the pod before, but... I think that 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 league game away at uh, Gloucester is one of my 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 absolute favourites. It is a completely rat, rugby mad city. We were walking through the city centre. There were Gloucester flags everywhere. Everybody's wearing the cherry and whites, um, and you dress before you even get to the ground you, you you get that atmosphere don't you you know it's a, a big local derby you, it, it is the atmosphere it kind of makes you feel like you're a kid again isn't it because yeah. you, you've got that little walk up and like you say it's just something we don't do as well at Ashton Gate the amount of flags that are handed out mm. and that was brilliant and obviously you go past the pubs have got flags hanging out of the you know, tops and and it is it's one of those and then you go you walk up and then you see the stadium in front of you and it's, it's fantastic. It really is. I think it's my favourite way trip as well. Yeah. And of course, we did find the only pub in the whole of the West of England that uh, only takes cash. Yeah. Not not because their card reader was broken. They only take cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It was a nice little boozer. We give a shout out to the Turk's Head, uh, yeah. a lovely little boozer and some fine ales that uh, were on tap. OK, well, let's have a look at some of the performances. Miles, if I come to you for your review of the forwards and uh, Lee if you take the backs Pete feel free to chip in from your six minutes highlights yeah um, yes I think guess, guess starting in the front row I mean Genji had a phenomenal game didn't he he was powerful throughout great in defence uh, and such a leader I think I think um, Capon not great I think the problem is you know apart from us not scoring the tries our line out was failing for maybe 60 to 70 percent of the match and if you're not just winning the plays and the lineouts, well you, you, you're not really going to score from there are you um Sinclair yeah he was all right I mean he actually had quite a good performance he did drop the ball once and I felt he was if he was he was pretty good so the front row apart from Capon's lineouts, he was pretty powerful and the, and the scrums were good uh Joycey I think was a f- captain pretty good game um Bantley was a bit quiet, but I think you'd expect that, wouldn't you? He only just slotted in the team this yeah. week, um, learning the plays. His fitness level looked quite good, and I think a um, couple more games, and I think he'll, he'll slot in quite nicely, really. Uh, very, yeah, all right. I mean, I thought he was pretty quiet, to be honest with you. Um, and I thought DT was a bit more of a menace on the other flank, and it was good to see him back. But, you know, our... Um, I mean, as a whole, you know, a couple of points really. The the breakdowns I thought were pretty slow, and you could tell that because there were four steals from the Gloucester in the ruck. I think, let alone in the first sort of sixty minutes, um, predominantly from that menace Geordie Reed. And I don't know what's going on there really, but um, the performance was pretty good in the pack. But breakdown, something to improve on for the next game. Yeah, and certainly Joycey come the end was uh, bloodied, wasn't he? He looked like a real warrior. Uh, He's full Terry Butcher, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've, sorry, I've completely forgotten Fitzarley, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, who was at number eight? I thought, you know, first half, I didn't really notice he was there. But actually, I think, um, I think because we had been seeing Bradbury 
playing absolute blinder for the last three games. The way sort of we used to see Fitzharding play, but actually second half, he was he was another man. Um, and he stepped up brilliantly, his play improved, his running lines and his support, and I think played a lot better in the second half. And that's purely really just down to lack of game time. So, you know, it's it's certainly good going forward. Was it how would I read somewhere that people were saying Sinclair played really well. I don't know whether that's true or not, that he had probably yeah, he had a really good... I think it was one of his better games, yeah. to be yeah. honest. He, yeah. was, he, he made some meters, it was a little tip yeah. Cheeky offloads well. he was doing. It was yeah. a scrum light, was it? Pretty solid. Pretty good. Yeah, so I think, I think no, we, we must in the... Am I right? There were no scrum penalties yeah. for the entire match. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, in so, the kind yeah. of... You know, for being fair, because we we did that. Yeah, being fair, out, I thought he so, played well. I, I I thought I wondered what you thought because I'd read it a couple of times oh. on social media that people thought Sinks was really yeah. was on it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe again, it's because Genji was there. Who yeah, knows? Maybe. But well, it's you know fair play to the boy. I do. Joe Batley did look like he needed another week on the training yeah. ground for me. And, yeah, you know, it's no fault of his. No, no. Which I didn't really expect Batley to start. And I mean Fitzarden as well, you know, to to come back your first game back straight into yeah. the, the Rifles <laughs> Cup game. I think what we need to do though, because at some points I I just didn't recognise him from the the shed because we're so used to that skull cap with yeah. a bit of big bit of blonde hair sticking yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now with the shaved uh, uh, barnet, he. Uh, I, I wonder if he could glue a bit of hair in so yeah. we, we could, could recognise it. He's got his bite skull cap. That's probably the only thing you recognise. That's it. it. Yeah. Um, so Lee, your thoughts on the backs. Right, so we're not going to mention Tom White, are we? I think we he had a bad day at the office. So I think we can, yeah, we we can let him have that one. Andy Wren, though, coming on was a big, massive difference. Mm. One of his best games in a in a bearish shirt. And um, on another day, he could have had a hat trick. He could, yeah, yeah, yeah he could have. Um, I thought Pierre Tau was class. Mm. He was good under the high ball. Um, Caught out positionally once or twice, I'd say. There was one, but that was a 50-22, mm, I think, mm. which, you know, which was down to him uh, being out of position. But 173 metres from 21 carries. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean... It's like the Pietau of a couple of years ago. Absolutely mm. it was, yeah. And again, Luke Moraghan being back in that side, what he gives us, you know, defensively and going forward, he, he looked dangerous <clears throat> as soon as he got the ball in hand again. Um, so I thought he was good. Piers O'Connor, I'd say, had one of his his best, well, definitely his best game this season. I would have said some brilliant runs, um, made some good lines. Um, we got obviously Bello next to him, like Pete had said. I mean, they both. I I read somewhere. Now, I read they? somewhere they didn't miss those. They didn't miss any tackles. Yeah, they didn't. Did they? Yeah, they didn't. As a partnership, yeah, it's a fair play to them. Yeah, so they're they're looking good, and I thought I actually thought Purdy played quite well. It, Quite surprised, I think John Evely's ratings in the post. I think he gave Purdy a five, and I thought, well, I mean, he did mess up an error at the end for the, their penalty, but I thought Purdy played all right, didn't you, Tim? I did. I mean, obviously, he cost the, the, the game in the end. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was okay. I think five was a bit, bit harsh for him, mm. yeah. And, and I thought Sheedy was was. Solid again. I mean, did some really good kicks into the corners as well, didn't he? Scored all his points. Yeah, he um, did. And yeah, and I thought, I don't know, just felt, it felt like a massive um, step up from the last couple of weeks. You know, but just in performance, I've, we've still got a lot to go, I think. But for me, it was definitely a, an upgrade, an improvement. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think I, I, I'd agree with all of that. I thought Piers O'Connor is, is starting really to... To look like the player from a couple of years ago, Piertau has been really his performances have been really consistent this season, and you know just goes to show when he's fit, we are seeing the world class player uh, that's there. And Andy Uren, well, just had an outstanding game. Yeah, and he, uh, he could he, have almost been man of the match, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. and but you, we we need that as well, don't we? Because uh, we need him to to do this consistently now. We yeah. should say as well, talking about a couple of years ago, do you know it's two years today that we won the, the European mm. 
challenge. Oh, you've got, just got it out. I, I, I have, yeah. No, I was going to come I promise back. I wasn't the thing. <laughs> I, I was going to come back to that a little later on okay. and uh, take us reminisce that evening. I think we all remember it well. Mm, well, um, not really. I remember coming off Radio Bristol and I and then I listened back to it and I sounded absolutely lashed. <laughs> <laughs> I was all right, I got, just got in the pram. Push that. Well, look, now you've brought it up, let's talk about it now. It was two years ago. I think we, we, we'd we all had that tough season through COVID. Yeah. There was no games. We couldn't go to any of the games. They were all kind of behind closed doors. That that campaign got shoehorned in, didn't it, to a yeah. few months in late summer. And, uh, yeah, 16th of October 2020, it was the European Challenge Cup final, uh, which the Bears won 19 points to 32 against Toulon. Um you, you, you four boys were around at my house. I yeah. think my good lady wife put on some curries and yeah. chilies. Yeah, I think I was on BBC Radio Bristol before kicking off, right. so I think I was reasonably <laughs> eloquent. <laughs> uh, and then, well, who can ever not forget that kickoff and that opening 45 yes. seconds oh. with the. Harry Randall. Should we call it the break? Yeah. And uh, Randall scoring. It then ebbed and flowed a bit, didn't it? We had Max the Magician, who's back uh, yeah. with us, scoring. And, uh, yeah, I can just remember all four of us up on our feet when the clock was counting down. Yeah. Yeah. And then shortly after that, Miles seemed to go downhill very fast <laughs> when it came to the... I, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I think it's something, something about the carry, I think. That's, <laughs> he was going downhill very fast when I pushed him off that trolley. Yeah. So, so oh, if, great if, night if, that was. if listeners are wondering, I think yeah. it was you and you, you managed... Miles was weaving up the road from my house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and then you found an abandoned... Um, Pram, was it? It was, a, it was a pram, yeah. It was outside one of the houses. So we thought I oh, would give Miles a little lift home in it, which, uh, which is quite good fun, wasn't it? It was, it was. <laughs> that was a memorable night. There it was go. a memorable, a brilliant point. day. Yeah. So anyway, we digress. So uh, that was the game. Uh, a fantastic game of rugby. Just over 14,000 at King's Home. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for to to all the the people in the shed that we spoke to for the banter. Yeah, and uh, it was all handshakes and pats on the back at the end. But uh, we witnessed a really great game of rugby. But of course, it uh, it was a bit of a weird occasion because Bristol played twice that day. And uh, let me come to you, Pete. Um, a hastily arranged eighteen game against uh, Exeter Chiefs because uh, their game against Wasps, and we'll talk about Wasps a little later on, was uh, they couldn't fulfil it. Um, uh, so the boys went down there in a team and uh, ended up. Um, I think it was fourteen five at half time, but lost forty two twenty four in the end. Your thoughts, I suppose, on just. On that quickly arranged game, good thing, bad thing. Well, I, I personally think it thought it was a good thing because whilst I can understand, on one hand, you might say we're sending some players down who might get injured, and we, you know, these were squad mm. players. But on the other hand, some of these lads don't get get any game time at all, and, and I'm talking like some of the lads, the, the kind of academy lads, or the the, the what that maybe right on the edges of the squad. So to be honest, if we had to go down to Sandy Park. Play against you know play against uh, another team and a professional team and it's just got to be good experience for the likes of Klosker and 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 um, people like that as well. So I'm trying to think of a few more Klosker and yeah Mackenzie Duncan yeah those guys that we need these guys to be uh, we need to fast track mm. these boys because when we do have gaps in our squad these are the boys that are coming up underneath. So personally, I thought it was a. It was, a, it was a good idea. Any game time has got to be good game time for some of these young lads. So, so yeah. But, Miles, let me, let me throw this to you. Um, we have actually got a Premiership Cup game away at Bath on Wednesday night. We have, yeah. And I'm anticipating that pretty much it will be that squad <laughs> that, that will go to Bath. I think, you know, with us now losing the Worcester game that was due to be at Ashton Gate next Saturday. Yeah. I'm hoping that Pat's going to give the, the kind of first team squad a little bit of time off or maybe in for a bit of extra training. So, um, you know, that game at Exeter on the Saturday, the boys have got to turn out again on, on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. That is a tough gig. I mean, I'm, you'll probably know whether sort of most of those players played the last Premiership Cup match. But um, as Pete said, there's some fringe first team players in there. You know, Fricker was 
duly dropped from the squad this week, wasn't he? And played in that game. But we've got the Lloyd brothers, haven't we? Um, Ed Holmes, even. Um, it was captaining, wasn't he, actually? Yeah. So, some, you know, some great sort of backup first team players who potentially could have got injured. Um, but yeah, I you know I sort of agree with Pete. It's um, why not? These these players need a game time, uh, and to play only the Premiership Cup three weeks ago and go straight into Bath midweek, um, it's not really going to keep them hungry. But I hope there's been no injuries. But I don't think it was a bad thing, and you know it gives a bit of sort of cohesiveness to the to the game going to Bath on Wednesday. And um, yeah, I, I think it's fine really. They're squad players and they're used to playing, and they need some yeah need some game time. And Lee, your thoughts about that that Wednesday game? I mean, it's difficult for us to talk too much about it. We don't really know um, how Pat's going to approach it. Um, clearly, a lot of players have played on Saturday. Um, and as a fan, how how bothered are you? Yeah. Is it the fact that it's Bath? You don't want to lose regardless <laughs> of the competition. And I think didn't we whop them at um, Ashton Gate last season? We did, yeah, we did. And I think it's... Um, I mean, we've always said the Premiership Cup is is for the squad, isn't it? It's for yeah. it's for uh, player rotation, and you know, and I think obviously, I, you know, I think we'll send a decent enough squad down to Bath, and and I think they'll put on a, a performance. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's one of those. The result is not the be all and end all, is it? So it's, it's about players getting some some minutes in their legs, and uh, you know, and hopefully, it'll be a good, exciting game. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's move on. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh, now, Lee, come back to you um, because uh, the women's team uh, are, are motoring, and uh, it was a twenty-four forty away victory for for Bristol Bears against Loughborough Lightning. Um, top the, of the table, weren't we? The, well, it's the Premiership Cup, the isn't cup. it? We're, um, we're yeah. top of the right. table in our little kind of pool. Yeah, but things are looking good when you think how many internationals, Welsh and English internationals, are away. Um, they're, they're they're ruthlessly consistent. The women's team this season. We certainly are, and um, I mean it, it does bode well, doesn't it? When we get our these internationals back, I mean, mm. by me, we're going to have a hell of a squad there. Yeah. So um, onwards and upwards for the girls, and uh, keep going. And I've got to say, and I've, I think again, I might have mentioned this on a pod before. Loughborough Lightning have, I think, by far the best kit. <laughs> in men's or women's rugby it's incredible if you get the chance go and have a look at their home kit right. really really good kit is it one that you would pay money for so. it is one I pay money for mm, okay yeah um, okay let me come to you Pete um, of course we've had news this week of the whole wasp situation and um, first of all your your thoughts on that I mean everyone's expecting them to go into administration and therefore that will be then relegated. But uh, as well as your thoughts on that, what, just generally, is this a watershed moment for for professional rugby in England? Well, I think so. In the sense that now we're seeing quite a lot of reports from other from Bill Sweeney, for example, the RFU saying that uh, the game is broken. I think that was a quote I saw on the BBC Sport website. I mean, that's pretty uh, pretty hard hitting stuff. And, and talking about how we're going to have to reorganise the whole of English rugby and talking about 10 teams and then having another competitive team following the French model. I mean, all this sort of stuff's coming out, which to me seems pretty serious talk. Um, so I think it has precipitated. I mean, it's a, it's a disaster, really. I mean, you, you know, we're talking about two teams going bust in the middle of a season um, and with possibly one or two others, you know, who, who haven't got big sugar daddies like us, to be fair could be on the on the ropes as well. So I think it is a watershed moment. You know, something's got to change. Mm. Um, and something is going to, well, will change, I'm sure of it. I mean, when this happens, whether it's beginning of next season or, I mean, it, it kind of devalues this season already, hasn't mm. it? I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, really, we've had, it's not really a proper season now. We've got two teams that are going to, Drop out. I mean, it. You know, what's, there's all sorts of questions about that. So, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, the only interesting thing about it, really, from a financial point of view, is you, you know, you sort of feel like Worcester was a 
in a way, despite those two owners who obviously, you know, are, are there's not a lot of love for them, but it seems like that is a, there has been a kind of downward decline because of the general structure of rugby for Worcester, and they just basically spent beyond their means and ran out of money. Wasp situations is a bit more bit different because they took a bit of a gamble. They they moved from Adams Park. They 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 did that bond thing. So they raised a load of money to go to Coventry based on the fact that they thought they would be successful. And I, and the other I read this that they offered six percent interest return on those bonds at a time when the interest rates were 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 about one percent. So mm-hmm. and they've got stung. And in a way, if you're going to be really brutal, you could say Wasp was a little bit more of his own making, whereas. Worcester was kind of part of the, you know, were victims of the structural thing. So it's it's a difficult one. But either way, it's it's not, I mean it's clearly not ideal. No. And uh, Miles in the rugby paper today, some speculation that uh, of a merger between Wasps and London Irish. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the club would be called. Wirish. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wasps-ish. Wasps-ish, I don't know. Yeah, that, that is worrying. Like Pete said, there's um, there's been talk of another few teams really in financial doo-doo, or one or two. Uh, yeah, and I've just read, actually, that I didn't realise that, obviously, um, the Exiles have been put up for, for sale by their owner in September. For a quid. Yeah, for a quid, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is worrying. I mean, the fact that we, and, and since in the last week... Some of the, I wouldn't say more successful, but some of the sort of big DORs in the Premiership, like the Rob Baxter and Pat Lamb, have actually been writing that, I think for some time, um, that the league is too big. Um, We've had 13 teams, haven't we, this um, bye week, which has been inadequate to say the least, I think. And the fact that they are keen to take it down to a 10-league team. So ten team league, ten team league. Sorry. So maybe this is the way we're going. But a, a, a mid sort of mid season uh, combination of teams. It sounds like a horrendous um, answer to all the woes. And the league is, yeah, sadly, it, it, it's sort of um, you know a bit of a cock up already. And I don't know where on earth we go with the points splitting and the games that have played. So. Yeah, a bit of a non-league already this season. Miles, your language is getting fruitier yeah. and fruitier. Sorry. Week on he's, week on he's, this. He's answering yeah. questions like a politician because I think the question you asked him <laughs> yeah. what do you think about the merger of Wasp and Irish? And he's... Get that, gone off about and it got me, I mean, that's quite an interesting one because your initial thoughts is that rugby is enshrined in localities. So you're thinking of your Bristol, your Worcester, yeah. Gloucester, all this sort of stuff. But the, you could argue the two clubs that aren't enshrined in a locality that are our kind of itinerant travellers as it were uh, are are Irish and wasps so if there is a case because a lot of people would say that's outrageous you can't have how can you merge two rugby Mm. teams you could never merge you know Exeter and Bristol because of it but actually when you think about it (laughs) they they probably are the two that you could probably could create some sort of you know a franchisey type thing and create some sort of new identity Um, I'm sure Irish and wasp fans would be appalled at that statement but the point is they aren't enshrined in a locality like the rest of the clubs. So I don't know. I don't know whether it, you know, it made me think maybe it isn't such a bad idea. If it's going to, if it's going to create some sort of entity that can actually play professional rugby and give players jobs and people can, I I don't know where it would be. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff like that. So I'm not quite sure it's quite as bad a thing as most people assume initially. And of course, lots of similarities. They're both up sticks, move yeah. uh, to different yeah. uh, cities, yeah, yeah. Leading it's, it's, they foot, big, big really. football stadiums yeah. that they couldn't fill. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. One of the things that uh, I think there was some speculation, Lee, that we talked about is Dan Robson, mm. that yeah. um, whether Bristol might have a look at uh, trying to get him in. Well, certainly. I mean, if he does, if he is available, then... Um, you know, we do need another scrum half, don't we? And I think we do, yeah. Actually, because we were saying the other day, I thought he was older than what he was, but he's only thirty. So mm. I mean, he would fit the fit the bill, wouldn't he, for mm. for what we need? Um, I think he'd be a great signing if if it does happen. Obviously, we're just speculating, but mm. yeah, I I think the whole thing's complete nonsense. I don't think it's a the, the whole wasps and uh, Irish story. I think it's it's a non non-entity I can't see it happening at all mm. but you've still you've certainly got two iconic brands haven't you you couldn't imagine 
a team that carried the Wasps name playing in green and likewise uh, a team that had Irish in the title playing in black and gold. <laughs> uh, but, you know... Um, so it's better than not playing at all. Well, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, Which that, is the other it. option. And yeah. you, you, you wonder where, uh, you know, if Wasps do get relegated, where, where are they going to play next season? Because uh, mm. I can't see it being in, uh, in the Coventry arena. Especially yeah. now, Coventry Rugby Club is on the up. Mm. And really, yeah, do you need a championship uh, and a premiership team in the same city? Mm. So, you know, would it be a good thing if Wasps do survive that they maybe go a little bit closer back to, to their roots, which which was more, well, it's kind of more north, northwest oh, London. Sudbury. It was Sudbury. Was it Sudbury? Yeah. But that makes me start thinking, well, wouldn't they be better off getting, in, getting into bed metaphorically with Ealing? Because, you know, if Ealing are trying to consolidate... I mean, they're kind of what it's a, it's a West London-ish sort of thing, and you know the Ealing have had their problems in con- convincing people that they are genuine. Premiership genuine yeah, club, yeah. and you know maybe if you integrate something, I mean I know it's heresy. I think you were stirring. But the point is, is that we're in unprecedented times, mm. so you know we can't, as as a famous philosopher once said, I think Albert Einstein, well not philosopher, but thinker, was that you can't solve problems with the same thinking that created the problems in the first place so you've got to start thinking and all you just don't have anything so and, and, who and knows the, the, who model, yeah. the model needs a massive shake yeah. up we've all yeah. said that so you know now's the time to do yeah. it isn't it and there was one interesting thing though they were talking about how Worcester if they go into Wasps go into administration get dropped down clear all their debts mm. but they wanted to keep their P shares didn't they the premiership yeah, shares did. and yeah, then people yeah. were saying well hang on they're then going to come back up with a basically all of their debt mm. with Clear. still these shares, whereas yeah. all the clubs in the Premiership are still going to have all their kind of overheads and, and the same thing. So that was a, there was a, that's an interesting issue yeah. as well about how they devolve, de- decouple themselves from this or, or not, as in that case would be. Well, I think one of the big things, uh, there's two, two issues for me. One is around the whole P shares and the fact that this league is managed by 13 clubs instead mm. of, you know, they can never agree unanimously yeah. on things and it's never for the best mm-hmm. interests. Whichever governance model the new structure moves to, surely you need a commissioner, you need somebody in charge, uh, and they take the decisions on what's best for the whole league rather than some of the, the partisan decisions that have been made. And we take the example of uh, that Bristol Bath game that was postponed on the Friday uh, after the Queen's uh, after the Queen passed because they couldn't get unanimous agreement, yeah. um, which just just seems ridiculous to me. It's, it's a crazy situation anyway isn't it if you've got 13 people like we were saying on Saturday on the coach up and train up if you've got 13 people in a room you couldn't even agree who wants coffee who wants tea you know it's it's madness the whole thing's wrong so appointing one commissioner to oversee the whole thing's got to be the way forward surely absolutely I mean you just think even biscuits you know would it be custard creams bourbons bourbons you know chocolate digestives but then do you go milk or plain jammy dodges boys jammy dodges all right, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> that's still sort of a model in other sports, isn't it? Um, and some sort of NFL, etc. That's actually in this week, funny enough, isn't Pat Lamb was a big supporter of uh, appointing a commissioner. I think he rightly so. I've had enough of this sort of uh, 13 sort of decisions and getting nowhere. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, overdue. And then the other point, I think one of the models that people are saying is about a premiership top tier of 10 teams Mm. and then a premiership two Mm. of 10 teams so potentially if you looked at last season would it have been Newcastle Worcester and Bath that would have dropped down Mm. and actually that would have been quite an interesting league with three big teams like that as well Mm. as the Elins and the Pirates and the uh, like the Jerseys and Doncasters of this world Um, but if it does happen it's going to be fascinating how they would work out if three teams from the premiership are there who fills those other seven slots? Mm. Because are we starting to talk a little bit about franchises or will it be done purely on whoever are the top seven then, mm. you know, fill mm. that slot? But then yeah. they, it feels like they're going to close the door underneath but Premiership that, too. Yeah. And can you have Coldy and Hartbury, no disrespect to those teams, and Amped Hill uh, because maybe they've had a good season and finished six? And a team like Doncaster or Cornish Pirates yeah. or a Jersey who finished eighth, 
locked out that's, forever. But that's the trend. Mm, but I was reading test. today that the French model is that all the French clubs have to open up their books for scrutiny, have to have their business plans, and they're and they're and scrutinised by an over, overseeing authority. And if they are overly ridiculous, they are basically told, you know, there's no way you're going to. So if a, if if an amp till or whatever, just sorry to pick on them, has a you know has a business plan that's painfully got no chance of success then then that might be the criteria of who stays in but if a coventry or a you know or a doncaster have clearly got some possibility or but are realistic about you know we can get this many crowds this is what we're planning to do that's how they do it in france mm-hmm. apparently so it's it's scrutinized so that the decision is not made on where they finish the decision is made on the reality of what those clubs can achieve and then they have a kind of step-by-step plan to improve which seems and seems very interesting idea mm. but obviously we're miles away from that at the moment but if you are going to do something then it's it's got to be done based on potential mm. and scrutiny rather than just kind of oh we came sixth we deserve to stay up and then the interesting thing for me i mean you take the argument about ring fencing from the premiership to premiership two because what about some of those big teams like the mosleys and maybe the plymouth albions that are outside the championship mm. at the moment are you going to lock them into the um, the amateur game or the semi-pro game for forever. It's it is going to be fascinating. No, but the fu- final point I make is they're talking about any introduction of a new structure from twenty four twenty five. Can we really wait that long no. to to resolve this? Well, we were saying timing is key, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, for me, it's got to be made sooner rather than later because it's just going to be. It's going to be a shambles, isn't it? Up, up until yeah. that point, going to be discussing this, and you know, other things will probably jump in, and it, it really needs organising now, doesn't it? it? Needs to be grabbed by the scruff of the neck and and sorted out sooner rather than later. And and you know, if they are going to implement it from twenty four twenty five, which I think is the next funding round, which personally I think is too late, mm. um, they've got to be very clear about what they're going to introduce as quickly as possible. So clubs can prepare and those clubs that are maybe going to be in Premiership 2 can plan accordingly because mm. um, it's a big difference between uh, a league with potentially three Premier clubs as opposed to a league with no Premier teams, uh, you know, as far as the, the competition yeah. you've got to take on. So uh, certainly it would be fascinating, but it's times like this how much we appreciate the money and the commitment that Steve Lansdowne's put into the club. You know, uh, what was it, 24, 25 years ago, we, we were there, yep. um, you know, when we had to sell the memorial ground, I think to the gas for a quid, wasn't it, yeah. the deal if, uh, if, if, if we went to bust. So uh, it does make you realise how lucky we are to have a, a backer like uh, Lansdowne. And we're still watching rugby in Bristol, not Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. talked about at one time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for this show. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our thoughts on the Premiership Cup game at Bath, and we'll also look ahead to the trip to Franklin's Gardens. Until then, goodbye, stay lucky, and come on, Briz.